Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your host, Dylan Conroy, back with another episode of the Ad Podcast. So today we get to sit down with Casey Herbis, the Chief Marketing Officer of Quicken Loans. Casey's got a really great career that expands many years on the agency side, then in-house to the client F- FCA, now Stellantis, and of course, running one of the largest in-house agencies known to man at the Rock Company of Families and Quicken Loans. So let's get into the show. How's it going, everybody? It's your host, Dylan Conroy, with another edition of the Ad Podcast, broadcasting from the corporate headquarters of Quicken Loans and Rocket Mortgage in beautiful downtown Detroit. And today on the show, we have Casey Herbis, the Chief Marketing Officer of Quicken Loans. Casey, thanks so much for on the Dylan, thanks for having me, and welcome to downtown Detroit. It's been a great day walking around town and seeing everything that's going on. Tell me a little bit more about your investment here at Quicken Loans with really making downtown a vibrant space for fintech and startups and all the things that's happening in town. Quicken Loans was started by our chairman, Dan Gilbert, over 35 years ago. Quickly grew, and over 10 years ago, the decision was made to move from the suburbs to downtown Detroit. At that time, we moved 1,700 team members to downtown Detroit. Downtown Detroit was a lot different than it is today. It's a lot different than it was five years ago. We sit here in 2019. We have over 17,000 team members in downtown Detroit. We own over 100 buildings, facilities, parking lots, garages. Interestingly enough, a lot of people don't know, we're actually a larger employer than General Motors in downtown Detroit. And part of that is here at Quicken Loans, we're obsessed with finding a better way, helping our clients and help put Americans into homes. But at the same time, we have a for more than profit philosophy here where we're obsessed with finding a better way and doing good within our community, whether it be volunteerism and obviously helping contribute in a large way to the revitalization of the city of Detroit, something that we're all invested in here at Quicken Loans. Seeing a video interview with your chairman at CES a couple years ago, and he was talking about how there's just massive expansion going on downtown, but it costs the same amount of money to build a building here in Detroit as it does in, say, Manhattan, but the rents are much different. Is that starting to change a little bit as more and more companies move down here and allow the construction to catch up with the demand? There is a lot of demand, and there's a ton of construction going on. Demand from company standpoints, here over the last three, five years, we've seen a huge surge of media companies, fintech companies like ourselves move downtown Detroit. So just over the past year, Dylan, we've had Snapchat, LinkedIn, Twitter, Amazon, EWC has moved down here, Uber has an office, Microsoft here in the same building has a huge space. So you've got a lot of companies coming down. And also from a living standpoint, of our 17,000 team members, over 3,500 of which live in the city. So now we're having to go vertical, revitalize a lot of buildings. And we have some of those classical architecture here, early, late 1800s, early 1900s. Those have been rehabbed and reopened. You probably were walking around today. We've broken ground on two huge projects on either side of this building where we're at now. We've got a a million square foot building that's going to go up. It'll be the largest structure in downtown Detroit. And on the other side of us, we've got a 900,000 square foot facility that will be mixed house retail that's all part of the vision of going vertical in downtown Detroit because the demand is there I was around all weekend and it's just amazing to see the vibrancy people enjoying downtown Detroit I saw it even as a guest for a couple of days in your fair city I'm one of those last-minute hotel bookers and when I landed in town last night at 85% occupancy I think you mentioned yeah. there was an esports tournament in town a large sponsor of League of Legends summer finals at Little Caesars right up the street the arena was sold out for two days wow. I talked to tons of people that they're very rabid fans 
of League of Legends, and we were the presenting sponsor of them. We also sponsor one of their teams, 100 Thieves. It was awesome to see how many people were here over the weekend. I chatted with a lot of people that had traveled from far away from California, Puerto Rico, all across the country. And for many of them, it was their first time coming to Detroit, and I think we left a really nice impression for them and filled up a bunch of hotel rooms and restaurants. Your investment in esports, you're in one of the biggest franchises in the entire world, which is League of Legends. 100 Thieves is one of the top esports organizations. I don't see a lot of financial services companies pouring into esports. You're really an innovator there. Can you talk a little bit about your strategy and why you saw that as an opportunity for Rocket Mortgage and Quicken Loans to grow? Dylan, that's a great question. Our interest in venturing into the esports space took shape over a couple of years. We like to think with Rocket Mortgage, and we were the first online originator for mortgages, we're a disruptor in the space. And we see a lot of similarities between the esports and what we do here in the fintech. So we wanted to get into the space. Five years ago, you probably wouldn't see very many big brands outside of endemic gaming, maybe some lifestyle. Red Bull is a great example. And I've been to several conferences over the last couple of years. Inevitably, you always hear brands in there. How do we get in? We're asking ourselves the same exact thing. We got to meet Matt Haig, Nate Schott, one of the principal owners of 100 Thieves. He started that as a lifestyle brand. And we immediately signed up as a partner with them. We opened up the Rocket Mortgage house out in Venice where the team trains, practices, trains, and lives. And it's just been a year and a half courtship. We're doing tons of content activation. And that brand has absolutely exploded. Now they're not just in League of Legends. They've got Call of Duty, Fortnite. They're building up their farm teams. And that brand's just absolutely exploded so it's nice when you're able to work with a brand that's like-minded they move fast we move fast we like doing storytelling we really enjoy giving fans and esports behind the scenes and access to either nate shot or the guys on the team whatever it might be and it's been a really nice partnership we'll continue to invest more and more in esports it was an eye-opening thing for me this weekend i look at that space you can't deny the size, 80 million uniques on YouTube on a monthly basis, selling out stadiums. And I was really, really impressed with the rabid attention and passion that these fans have when it came to watching League of Legends. I was blown away. I could have easily been at a soccer match over in Italy or Spain with just the amount of passion I was hearing from 15,000 fans in arena. And just it really solidified for me is we're in the right space working with right partners. We talked a little bit before the show started about how you guys have a hometown celebrity here in town, or at least in the area, with Ninja being the biggest person in esports. Does that make it a little bit easier for you guys to understand the power of how big streaming is and how big this platform is moving and how quickly it's moving? Yeah, it sure does. And Ninja's a hometown guy. And I will tell you, I was hanging out with Nate Shot here in Detroit this weekend. I look at him as Matt. That's how I met Matt. Mm-hmm. And I didn't grow up watching him. He walks around town and it's it's weird. I'm hanging out with an A-list celebrity walking around the esports space. But the power is huge. As I mentioned, 80 million uniques on YouTube. We look at all the uh, traditional media companies, your Turners, your ESPNs. This morning I'm on ESPN.com and I'm scrolling through the feed. Andrew Luck retires. Baseball's heating up, college football starts, Rory McIlroy, and then right underneath Rory McIlroy, it was League of Legends Summer Finals in my ESPN feed on a Monday morning. It's so much more in the mainstream now. A lot of, we'll call them kids, are now 25, 30, 35 years old that grew up gaming. It's just much more mainstream. They're getting ready to buy that first. (laughs) That's what we're certainly hoping for, yeah. Did you have any personal affiliation with gaming, or are your kids big gamers? I'm always excited to understand how a CMO 
finds these new channels. Esports isn't a new channel like we talked about it. You guys are an innovator going in early. Did you have any personal affiliation to the space or you just saw it as the right opportunity? Yeah, to be honest, I mean, I grew up playing game, but that was back in the 70s and 80s right. when Atari and Nintendo were just at their infancy stages. We looked at esports and for me, a lot of it was learning, wanting to learn more and understand. I've got team members that are very, very passionate about esports. And one of the things here at Quicken Loans, we're all about empowerment and yes before no. And so I had team members keep bringing me and talking to me about esports. And they kept not pushing, but showing you have to understand this is big and it's getting bigger. We should be there, especially with us being a technology space. And they started to look at it much like any other partnership, whether we do college football, basketball, which we do, the PJ Tour, Ricky Fowler. Now we just have yet another sponsorship that I look at, which delivers, for the most part, a pretty unique audience. But there's more and more as that sport continues to grow, there's going to be more crossover between, we'll call it our, the traditional force major league sports. Sure. It offers opportunity to, one, get a unique audience, but also be associated with a powerful brand that continues to grow and is now in mainstream America. And you just talked about the PGA. You guys were instrumental in bringing the tour back to Michigan and your sponsorship with Ricky. Can you talk a little bit about that and excitement around that? We started Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage was a partner with the PGA Tour going back on seven years ago. We were a partner with the Quicken Loans National in Washington, D.C. We struck up a partnership with Ricky Fowler. And as we struck up that partnership, we conveyed to the PGA Tour that at some point we wanted the PGA Tour to come to Detroit. Washington, D.C. is a very important market to us for a lot of reasons, as you can imagine. For us and our headquarters here in Detroit, we wanted the PGA Tour to come here. Thankfully, over the past 18 months, the PGA Tour was looking at their schedule. The PGA Tour, like everybody else, they're all working to make sure they can maximize their audience. And they saw that their audience was declining as college football and NFL started. So they moved their calendar around. And so now the PGA Tour just ended this weekend with Rory winning the Tour Championship. And it opened up a couple opportunities. They came to us and said, we think we can get to Detroit. And we said, that's fantastic. Much like you did, I said, get on a plane and come to Detroit because we want to show you what's going on in the city and where we want to go. We went to the Detroit Golf Club, which is about seven miles north of here. It was the only place that we wanted. Interestingly enough, Michigan still is number two, number three. Most golf courses per capita in the country. In, behind Florida. Behind yeah, probably Florida, Texas, side. California. Yeah. So golf has a storied history in Michigan. The PGA has storied history, whether it be Ryder Cups or PGA Championships. The PGA Tour was about 75 miles north of here for many, many years. But in 2008, nine. 10 and 11 when the automotive crises and the recession took place the pj tour unfortunately lost sponsors lost marketplaces and so here's an opportunity the pj tour had never been in the city of detroit and working closely with them partnership with the pj tour and the detroit golf club and obviously ricky is our ambassador which he's a fantastic young man he's been very very successful and i think the best is yet to come it became a perfect marriage and we had an amazing week in downtown detroit sold out friday saturday sunday we're ready to roll and we're already planning hard for 2020 and beyond ricky's such a great brand ambassador bringing that youth and enthusiasm that say a tiger woods had brought to the game maybe say 10 years ago but even now with Tiger making his resurgence and his comeback, he goes two forces at play. Do you think it'll be enough to reverse the trend of golfing on the decline with the millennial upset and it becoming harder and harder for people to cut four hours of their day out to go to the golf course as player? Do you feel like we'll be able to turn the tide and bring 
audience back to the game in a bigger way. Every sports league asking themselves mm-hmm. the same exact question. Can read about Major League Baseball, maybe their audience growing. How do you make changes to the game and promote different things within the game that appeal to the younger audience. MLB has done their thing, and much like golf, we spend a lot of time with the PGA Tour guys. They've probably the biggest investment they have made over the last few years is in their digital and social with PGA Tour Live, all their online components of it. So now the PGA Tour is as accessible as it's ever been. And it's also helped is that now there's this huge wave of Brooks Kepkas and 19-year-old kids, 19, 20, 25-year-old guys that are getting majors under their belt and chasing the hallowed victories that Jack Nicholas or Tiger Woods has thrown up there. And PJ Tour is also, they're like any other sport league, is they want to make sure that they make themselves as relevant as ever for a younger audience. So how do you do that? So a lot of his access to is promoting what's on the course or on the field, whatever it might be. I think the PJ Tour, and based what I saw at the Detroit Golf Club at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, is very, very healthy, and we're proud to be a you part guys of them. Top Golf yet? Yeah, there's a Top Golf uh, just north of here. Nice. We'd love to have one in downtown <laughs> Detroit. I've done Top Golfs in many, many cities around the country. I'll put it this way, it went in right before the holidays last year, and I went there with my daughter and son, and it was a two-and-a-half-hour wait. It's a unique like experience. Companies like that are creating a touch point that's putting more people into the game, or at least getting more people to go out there and swing a club and step one. That's right? exactly right. So I'm going to take a step back, if you wouldn't mind. Could you walk me a little bit through some of the highlights in your resume? You, as a CMO, have had a career that was very storied and long in the automotive space, first on the agency side with BBDO. Mm-hmm then as the client at FCA and then now in the in the finance space with Quicken. Can you talk a little bit about your sure. kind of some of the milestones? I feel like this is your life. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll rip through it as, as quickly as we can. So I was fortunate enough. I was the first kid in my extended family to be blessed enough to go to university. I don't know how, but I had the grades to go to Michigan State. Graduated from Michigan State and started with Chrysler's ad agency right out of college. And at the time, it was the alphabet soup of agencies. It was actually CME or Campbell Methunesti. Over the course of several years, there was a lot of consolidation. Long story short, for 17 years, I worked on the Chrysler business for the agencies, which ended up all rolling up under BBDO. Detroit, at the time, we had over 2,200 people in the suburbs of Detroit. We were the largest single account held agency in the country, 2,200. So we serviced everything from international advertising down to the floor mats that (laughs) cars would have running through the service lane and everything in between. I worked primarily on the tier two business. So I worked with dealers, every automaker, quick serve restaurants, anywhere where there's a franchisee, corporate entity, co-op. And that's where I cut my teeth for 17 years and loved it. So I worked with dealers in the South, the Southeast, the Southwest, all over Michigan, really all over the country after 20 years, and was just an absolute blessed experience. And fortunately, things got tough, right? Mm -hmm. Chrysler, and at the time, Chrysler and General Motors go into bankruptcy, and when they both came out of bankruptcy, what were storied agency relationships with the automakers went away. Chevy had their agency relationship for over 95 years. Chrysler had theirs for over 65 years. Things had to change. Procurement. Procurement, and to me, that's a sign of new beginnings. Shortly thereafter, I was blessed as my old client at Chrysler called me. She's still there. She runs all of media, global media for FCA, now Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. And she asked me to join FCA. So I joined there in 2011. Very quickly, the decision had been made when Mr. Marchione and Fiat had taken control of Chrysler and made it Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. They wanted to bring fuel efficiency, alternative technology and transmissions to the U.S. And that was going to be on the back of Fiat. 
and Fiat was a brand that was actually here before Walter P. Chrysler. Fiat came to the U.S. first time in 1909, 17 years before Chrysler even started. It exited the U.S. in 1984. Here we were in 2011. It was very interesting times. We're ready to launch a brand, still on the back end of the recession, and we were trying to get dealers to put in two and three million dollars blue sky to open up dedicated showrooms and maybe service areas and staff and all that. So that was daunting, but it was, I look back on those days and I wouldn't trade them for anything. So for six years, I was the U.S. marketing director for Fiat. I was working for who I think is the smartest guy in automotive marketing, Olivier Francois, who was the CEO of the Fiat brand, but also CMO of Chrysler Group. So the M&M ad, the Clint Eastwood, and some of, I think, the most iconic automotive work that's been done in the last 20, 30 years was under his helm. So I worked there for seven years. It was amazing. Four or five Super Bowl campaigns, launched a bunch of vehicles. We helped build the dealer network up from low 20s, 30s, up to well over 200. And we hit some sales goals in two years that took Mini Cooper and Kia five and seven years to do. It was a special time. I learned a lot. And then a phone call came in from downtown Detroit where Jay Farner, who was our CMO, was looking for a CMO. He's now our CEO. He was looking for a CMO candidate and came down and here I am. Rest is history. Yeah, I've been here now two, almost two and a half years. Brings me to my next question quite naturally. You've spent a good portion of your career on the agency side, so you really understand what the agency relationship is like and what it's like to work with clients, and then you've gone over to work for your client. seems like that puts you in a really unique place in the current ecosystem of the conversation around in-housing. You guys seem to have probably one of the strongest in-house agencies that I have in my research as far as I'm building internally at a brand. I think about 240 people now, the last time I checked. Yeah, last time we were adding more. <laughs> I, I got, I'm looking out my window. It looks like we got about 280 sitting out there now. A lot of people ask me that question. 17 years on the agency side, seven years on a corporate marketing role where, quite frankly, we were solely dependent on agencies. Mm-hmm. If I was in Super Bowl mode where we're getting ready to go, I was, at one point, I looked around a room and I would have upwards of 15 agencies in the room. Creative, media, social, CRM, merchandise, PR, whatever. 15, 17 agencies and literally it was how do you puppeteer to make sure that everyone is running down the same path together to here Mm -hmm. where I look outside and I've got 280 amazing team members and we've built, the internal agency had been built up over 10 years under Jay Farner's leadership. And now we're 280 strong. We have over 100 team members in creative, obviously social CRM, sponsorships, media, so on and so forth. The other thing that's changed a little bit since I joined two and a half years ago, we're also the in-house agency for some of our other fintech brands. So we own at Quicken Loans and the Rock family of companies, we own over 100 companies. So within the fintech space, they're brands that are B2B and maybe on the smaller scale B2C, Rocket Homes, Rapid Finance, Quicken Loans Mortgage Services, which is the Brokers, Rocket HQ, which is a new brand we launched, One Reverse Mortgage. We serve as the, we'll call it the centralized service for these brands. That's been really fun too, because now it offers opportunities not only for myself, but for my team members to work on different brands and grow in different ways. It's exciting to have an in-house agency. It's different though. A lot of people ask, what's the biggest difference? I kiddingly say it, but anyone that's been in this position can appreciate it. At Chrysler, if I was in a disagreement with the agency, we would have our choice words for each other and hang up and grumble about each other. And But then we'd come together. And very early on, I had a disagreement with one of my creative leaders. And 
it was a, a philosophical a disagreement, subjective over a piece of creative. And as I could tell, there was tension between us. I look outside my window here that you're sitting at, and I realize there's about 200 people looking at us. And he had to go sit next to me. So after the discussion, and a little on display, and you've got to understand that one team, one goal. Everyone's here pushing to do the most amazing thing. Agency and corporate, now I've got the best of both worlds where probably spent, I would say, half my day wearing a CMO hat and what the brands, what are we doing on the brands, how are we driving the brands forward, whatever it may be. And I probably spend the other half of the day as a, we'll call an agency leader of operations and people and comings and goings and what are we doing from a cultural standpoint, whatever it might be. But you have kept media buying with the Universal McCann. Do you feel like that relationship between a brand and having outsourced media buying still is something that's really needed? While we're in a house agency, we will have agency relationships. So you just brought up uh, Universal McCann, IPG agency. When we put the business up for review called two years ago now, we wanted to consolidate all of our media planning and buying brand media planning and buying in one place it was spread out over three four agencies when i got here with the amount of money we spend and we knew that we could garner some advantages whether it's efficiencies or thought leadership and first market opportunities we did a large rfp talked to six or seven holding companies moved our business to universal mechanics going on a year now they're wonderful they've got 55 full-time team members working on our business at any given point. We also will work with Sports Activation Agency. Intersport helps us manage our college football, basketball, PGA Tour, the two esports. And then when it comes to large-scale, a lot of people ask me Super Bowl or large-scale partnerships or moments. Super Bowl is a great example. We were in the Super Bowl two years ago with Keegan-Michael Key in our translator campaign. We did a large movie partnership, the Avengers movie. We will go to outside agencies. Quite frankly, I want my creative team to win. It's also it's where you're wearing a CEO, CMO hat. But as a CMO, we need the best idea. You mentioned something about not wanting your team to pitch ideas that, that just because they know Casey's going to like it. Or I think you called it boardroom, boardroom focus group. When I see advertising that I would say is very safe, I can know exactly what happened. <laughs> that ad, it got taken into a boardroom full of somebody. Salespeople, marketing people, finance people, and it got huge applause. And it purely is just built for that audience in which preaching to the choir. One of my biggest fears about having an in-house agency, if I and our leadership don't push and ask for ideas that are different, that we go against the grain, that push the envelope, if you will. Not risky, but let's be honest, when it comes to the mortgages and financial services in which there's 50,000 places you can get a mortgage. Mm Who are we as a brand? In the insurance space is a great a parallel example. Think of a Geico and a State Farm that's done a nice job of taking what is not the most exciting product or service it's or invisible. commodity. It's invisible, but yet it has a personality. We've been working to do the same exact thing here with Rocket Mortgage. Anything we do from a creative standpoint, I want to make sure it, it entertains and engages and informs. Can we do those three things? Going back to the boardroom example is how many times, I'll tell you a quick story which made me think of that is when I was at Fiat, we were doing some crazy stuff. (laughs) Lawyers wouldn't talk to me. My friends were asking a lot of interesting questions. And I went to Twitter one time. I searched or Fiat ads or whatever it might be. It was disheartening and demoralizing. People were posting gifts of monkeys on a keyboard say meanwhile in the fiat marketing team are they taking like just crazy stuff i thought about that for a minute and then going back to the, the boardroom focus group i went in the same twitter feed and i took another detroit small sedan advertiser and i put in xx ads 
and there wasn't one tweet. Now, they sell a lot of cars. They sell a lot of cars, but I also, (laughs) Charlie Sheen told me one, dude, the old Hollywood adage, right? is the day they stop talking about you in this town, get worried. Fiat, we didn't have the budgets to be at the Ford, Toyota, Chevy, whatever it might be. But here, coming over to the Quicken Loans Rocket Mortgage side, I want to make sure we're doing work that's interesting and that is relatable. Our newest campaign we have out right now is for more than a house, and we understand that's the biggest thing that we hear from our clients. We get all the credit in the world and from a brand health standpoint and surveys of are we fast? Yes. Are we efficient? Yes. We get a lot of credit, obviously, for our technology. But what people want is hey, if I'm making number one, number two, most expensive purchase I'm ever going to do in my life, I want to know that you care about this as much as I do. And do you have my back? That little tidbit, it's not the most groundbreaking thing in the world, but we talked to our servicing team here. We service 1.9 million loans. And we asked, what makes us different? And what we heard over and over from our servicing team members was, we care the most. Again, that's not the most aha moment, but wow, how do you take that? It's a good insight. How do you, it's it's, it's a great work. insight, and how do you do that? We understand that it's more than a house, it's a home, and I think we're doing some really, really fun work right now, taking these life moments, whether you're a mother of young children and trying to enjoy yourself in a bathtub when the kids aren't around, or Ricky Fowler dreaming on a golf course, and a dad laying in a, a pool, thinks he's an ocean, but the reality is his home is kids jumping on him and splashing at him. And we understand that it's more than a house, it's a home. And just doing it in a fun, entertaining, engaging way. What's really interesting about financial services and fintech right now, too, is this new millennial buyer sometimes doesn't want to deal with a person as much as maybe yep. previous generation. Yep. I'm a millennial, but I'm at the tip of the scale. I financed my first two homes through a traditional broker based on a fraternity relationship and it was somebody who I know. But as my wife takes more of a role in those decisions now and she is a little bit more likely to invest her money with the betterments of the world or the personal capitals, the companies that don't necessarily rely on the human element as much and she wants to know that the algorithm is making the smartest decision on her behalf. Is there something that you play to both of those audiences at the same time with with that in, in the right now if you were to say who's the biggest audience that you're thinking of and gearing your marketing and advertising towards some ways i heard the, the mcdonald's cmo once say when he was asked well, who his demographic was and he said america well that's kind of a bs answer and then i started thinking about you're right i don't care if you're making high six figures or minimum wage McDonald's plays a role in your life somehow, right? Some ways, yes, America is our goal is to put Americans in homes, but the first time home buyers, those are the largest audience since we're focusing mm-hmm. a lot of not only our messaging, our media, but also our products. Sure. Thankfully for us here at Quicken Loans, we can move very, very fast and understand we get feedback from called millennials and now Gen Z's, which are right on the cusp of it. They're looking for assuredness. They want to know, well, can I lock in a rate for a certain amount of time? Can my real estate agent feel confident that this is going to close? That's a big focus for us is making sure yes our marketing and advertising our media is speaking to we'll call it now that audience more importantly is that we have this service and product so to your question for rocket mortgage that is built to be entirely online origination from front end to back end and then you have the quick and loans five minutes before we got on the i'm refinancing right now and i'm refinancing right now and i started online and you were in my office i was on the phone with a banker five minutes ago because I had a couple questions and I was so what we found is that people are going to come and go there's a spectrum there's a spectrum some people may go all the way through online at some point it happened to me today I had one question I'd rather get on the phone and so we see that people coming in and out whether it's we want to do it online or you know I have a question about my 
income and assets or I have a unique situation or whatever it might be. And I'd much rather get on a phone and that's where we've got dedicated team members to help our clients however they need it. In regards to your note about McDonald's Target, it reminds me of what Wrigley told me one time their Target was. Do you know who that was? Anybody with a mouth. <laughs> I had more of a smart aleck answer, but you, uh, you beat me to it. The thing that was interesting that, we were, that you had mentioned about your creative process and having the in-house agency mm-hmm. and needing to potentially lean on outside help from time to time when it comes to bigger inflection points, you know, things like a Super Bowl or a huge partnership with a franchise like Event. You need to make sure that you're canvassing the marketplace for the best ideas. Working with FCA, we talked a little bit about this, before we started, I remembered them mentioning to me that they did something similar. They had their media, a lot of their agency relationships with UM at the time. I think it's Starcom now. But for creative, they would jump ball six creative agencies. I think it was the guys down at the Richards Group in Texas mm-hmm. and Donor and a few others. Does that mentality come from your background at FCA a little bit of yeah, I- knowing that you need to look maybe for outside help from time to time and just of course you're always going to root for the internal team times there were staid day-to-day agency relationships when it came time to big opportunities there were jump balls and so as i joined here at quicken loans with rocket mortgage and looking at the super bowl we made the decision i have my in-house agency and i hope they win but i gotta have the best of the best ideas so we did a jump ball huge which is an agency out of brooklyn and also suburbs here in detroit they won it was something very interesting i was nervous because i had only been here at the company we'll call it four or five months and here you are you're the new cmo you have a hundred person creative team and the biggest project that's come about in the last couple of years is now going to an outside agency i would not lie to you that i was nervous going to bed because what is that going to do to the team dynamic and something very interesting happened in which our creative team and this is a lot about who we are we're very we're a yes before no culture and we'll figure it out what we came to realize very very quickly was the idea was there the organizing idea and we immediately the creative team and working with my other leaders we jumped in with the agency so it was purely a collaborative effort of which Nobody knows the Rocket Mortgage brand better than us. They were the originators and owners of that idea. It was truly a collaborative effort from there's the pitch, we sold in the pitch idea, if you will, to finding the right celebrity. That was a collaborative effort. It was here's who it is, pre-production, production. We did not have a big week. Honestly, we shot that spot, I'm going to call it January 10th, and Super Bowl was... February 4th. It was a tense three weeks of post. trying to get Olympics. Yeah, when we shot that campaign, we knew a lot of times for Super Bowl, you can go one of two ways. Mm -hmm. One is big investment and big investment, production, media, talent, whatever it might be, and you could be one and done. We saw this idea is greater than that and very campaignable. That also came out after the pitch. We love this for Super Bowl, but how do we campaign it so it has a call shelf life, but a relevancy for eight months, 12 months, actually ended up running, I'll I'll call it 16 months. And that's where, as we we partner up with Keegan-Michael Key, who is by far the nicest celebrity I've ever met in my life, that he is a a true gentleman, Detroit guy. He started jumping in the ideas with us and his now wife is his writer. And it was also now you have an agency, Quicken Loans, and Keegan and Elise all working together. And all of a sudden we started developing these new ideas in which, hey, the Olympics are coming and then the NBA finals and we buy DIY and home shows. How do we create these scenes so the campaign is feels fresh throughout the balance of the year and the linchpin is using Keegan to translate all throughout it. And so it really, it came to life very quickly. 
the idea became more important that who came up with it essentially. We have an ism here, and the isms, there are foundational values and principles here, and we have one that says it's not who, what's right, it's not the who, it's what's right. At no point did we say, we're the client. At no point did Hugh say, it's our idea, and at no point did Keegan say, I'm the celebrity. When you do a Super Bowl, you're always going to have your moments of creative tension, particularly in the world we live in of subjectivity and what I think is funny, you may not find as funny, or a voice inflection sounds wrong or whatever it might be, but truly collaborative effort. It opened my eyes to how that can absolutely work large in-house agency culture. And was Keegan someone who was on your radar to work with based on his Detroit roots, or was that an insight that Huge provided and part of why they were wanted- The idea was born with a, we'll call it an A-list comedian, somebody that had the right voice and tone and could represent the idea. And Keegan very quickly rose to the top of our list, if you will, and just like he pitched the idea to him. And he knows some people here, obviously he's from Detroit. He has investments, he has a foundation. He invests in a theater just north of here. You follow Keegan, he's all about Detroit. Mm-hmm. I mean, this yeah, guy's so, he's so wired into, every time I talk to him, I learn something about Detroit. I just saw him a couple months ago and he's probably telling me all this stuff. I'm like, I didn't know that was happening. Very quickly and, and I've had a chance to work with a lot of celebrities and when you work with a celebrity, it's almost sometimes just be careful what you ask for. And sometimes it's, oh my God, I had no idea. Keegan, everybody had talked, about anyone who had, we had talked to, and had spent time with Keegan and I had some personal friends that knew him because he grew up in the area. He was as advertised, if not more. I mean, he was on conference calls with us late at night leading up to the Super Bowl talking about edits. Hey, is there anything I can do? Yeah, super engaged and important for his brand too. Not to say that he was very successful going into the Super Bowl, but since then he's had some Netflix show. He's on The Lion King. He's got a new show coming out. I just saw him at the upfronts. He's got a new game show that he's hosting. His star is bright and we like to think that uh, we helped each other a little bit. Yeah, I love it. I've actually heard you make some comparisons and some of the research that I've done, how automotive isn't actually that much different than marketing in the lending space. Can you talk a little bit about how marketing to those customers and the customer journey is similar in those two industries? That's another question that people ask me a lot, Dylan, is what's the big difference going corporate to in-house agency? And the other one is after 24 years, what is it like going from going from automotive to a commodity in the mortgage space? I was asking myself the same question as I, as I came here. How much am I going to have to unwire or rewire my head? But very quickly, I realized if you think about an automotive purchase, and we're in Detroit, so this is an artificial auto market. 90% employee leases and everyone flips cars every 12 to 18 months in a non-lease market employee lease market people lease or buy their car once every three five seven nine years a lot changes long cycles a lot changes finance options change rates prices gas prices (laughs) life stages right how big of a car do i need and how far do i drive to whatever it might be and also the the automotive world is changing too. The dealers are having a change with the times yeah. as well. There's a reason why there's a car a used car market. Yeah. There's it started with AutoNation 25 years ago, but now you look at a Carvana. We have a partner here, Vroom, where it's 100% online. Click, click, check, and cars delivered fully conditioned and certified a couple weeks later. But you move over to the mortgage side of the business. And again, unless we're in a crazy, crazy refi market, how often do you refi, if you will, or purchase a home? Once every five, seven, ten. And how much has the world changed? We sit down, we look at the purchase funnel. The purchase funnel is the same exact thing. There's a lot of autos you can buy. There's 50,000 places you can obtain a mortgage. Is 
What's the awareness look like? Thankfully for us, our awareness is very, very strong. We have big budgets, knock on wood, and we're able to tell that brand story. And so we've got really healthy brand awareness. And then you look at positive opinion. What's the awareness, positive opinion, consideration? All of, The funnel is the same exact way. We spend a fair amount of money living at the top of the funnel. So what is that awareness and positive opinion? How do we shape that through our brand and partnerships and some storytelling? But then we spend a bulk of our money right in the middle to the bottom of the funnel, much like any other motor market, SEO, SEM, in-market, third-party lead acquisition, BT, retargeting, anywhere. Once someone is there, how do you keep... While they're in that five-year cycle. Same exact conversation. You got to keep the top of the funnel healthy because if not, over time, all you're doing is you're going to create what I call a hypodermic needle. (laughs) And all you're hitting is the drip. And that's where you see brands go away. There's automotive brands that the drip just went away. So we spend half the time thinking about how to keep the top of the funnel healthy. But in order to keep the top of the funnel healthy and spend the money up there, we got to make sure we're working the middle down and are we driving the right leads? Are we converting, bringing in good business, healthy business for us? Much like automotive, once you do it every once every three, five, seven, ten years, whatever it might be, we want to make sure that we obtain loyalty at the same time. Much like an automotive, loyalty, how do we get returning lessees? I want to have a returning refi or returning home ownership. And so now that we service our loans, we spend a big considerable amount of time is making sure that we develop that one-to-one as much as we can relationship with our clients and make sure that they're happy with their service, but also we afford them the opportunity to look financial options along the way or you know, we have products or services that can help them throughout their life cycle of home ownership. My space is in the influencer marketing world and I've spent a little bit of time talking to some of your partners that are a little bit earlier in the purchase funnel, people like the realtors.com or the Redfins or the Zillows. In talking about influencer marketing, it seems like it really only works when there's an authentic story to tell, when maybe an influencer is actually in market for a home and you can document that process. Have you guys worked with influencers or can you talk a little bit about how you guys see influencers being uh, a channel that works for you? I'm sure your listeners, once the CMO says the word organic or authentic, they want to turn (laughs) it off, right? We're going to start charging like five bucks at every conference when someone says you have to be organic and authentic. But with that being said, from an influencer standpoint on the automotive side, you and I were talking earlier, we've worked with our fair share amount of influencers, but our influencers have generally been more in the main media side of it versus a and Instagram or YouTube. We've done some niche things there. But that's where working with a Ricky Fowler, working with a Keegan and Avengers or NFL, the brand, the, the influence of college football and basketball in the, the logos and the marks of those schools that we sponsor. To us, that's I'm a big fan of borrowing equity mm-hmm. from each other and telling a shared story. And so, yes. But the other place, too, where it can be just as impactful from an influencer standpoint, particularly in our space is listening to testimonials, right? Mm -hmm. Testimonials of real estate agents, testimonials of homeowners, homeowners that maybe had a difficult time. Everyone's got a story to tell. And so we'll utilize, yes, more mainstream media influencers, but then we like to use influential storytelling with our partners or bankers or real estate agents or mortgage broker partners or clients of ours that have a story to tell. You talked a little bit in an article about how your 17,000 employees are not only advocates, but they can also be influencers as well. Everybody needs to be in that word of mouth. The power of our team members here can be awesome. I see it every day. We're a culture that we empower. We want people to tell the story, especially we think we're doing a lot. We know we're doing a lot of 
great things for our clients and J14 JD Power Awards. And we know we're doing amazing things on helping our city and community. And we want to share those types. One is to share our story, promote who we are. But quite honestly, selfishly, I do some of that on my own personal with LinkedIn and what have you is because I also want to be able to help recruit talent. We're in a recruiting war like anyone else in the fintech space. We're going against their Facebooks and Snaps and everyone else. So we're always trying to tackle some, uh, some talent. On the talent side, you talked in another interview about how it's been interesting for you to manage the talent brand here yeah. at Quicken Loans and how that's a whole other subset of a brand that you have to manage. As much as it's important to have your consumer-facing brands, you also have the talent brand to make sure you're talking about how Quicken Loans is a great place to work and how you have to fight with all those other folks for headcount and the automotive companies that are here in town. Can you talk a little bit about managing the talent brand? The notion of having a talent brand, that was new to me when I joined here and I got to know the talent brand and understand, wow, this is a powerful notion of, we've got, I think, a very powerful brand in the B2C space, but what is our brand inside and outside these walls? So we talk about immobilizing 17,000 team members and helping them, helping us share that story, but mobilizing our brand outside these halls of who are we. Think about anywhere from university relations in the college intern recruiting season. We always kind of kid is walk into a, we'll call it whatever, we'll say University of Michigan, and it's intern career day, and they see Tesla, Facebook, <laughs> Snapchat, Quicken Loans, or a bank, or you know, it's like anything else. What's our storefront? We want to make sure that people understand is we're an innovator, we're fintech, the people, the culture, it's an intoxicating place. The talent brand is very, very powerful, and that's an absolute ton, particularly when it comes to recruiting talent. I mean, here we've got 1,300 job openings. We are growing so fast, and we're filling banking and technology, and we're hoping that our university students, we're very, very fortunate here in Detroit. You go around the Big Ten, even up into Canada, the amount of big schools that are within four hours of downtown Detroit are plentiful, and it's all about how do we attract talent here to downtown Detroit, and the talent brand and doing what we do on the talent brand, whether it be university relations, going to conferences, whatever it might be, is an integral part of growing who we are. And on the intern front, I read something interesting. J.D. Power said, uh, this is back at your FCA days, Casey's earned a bit of a reputation over at FCA huh. for running one of the most fun intern programs, and at times also has, having engineer students re-examine their career choices. Um, <laughs> yeah. You run a 1,400-person internship program here at Quicken Loans, of which 34% of your team, of your 240-person agency, has been sourced by that from that internship pool. It seems like mentorship is a very important business vision that you have here. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of internships and mentorship as, a, as it pertains to you and your career as an executive? Well, I'll tell you what, you did your homework. We were all an intern at one point in our careers. Though when I was in college, we didn't intern. You just got a job. I hustled during the summer. I didn't we didn't think about interning. The intern program we here is one of my most favorite times of year. They just left actually this past week. We had over 22,000 applicants applied. We had 1,100 interns this summer, boards of 250 universities represented. And here in marketing, so I've got 280-ish team members. We had 42 interns. It's awesome. They are here to work. They provide input. They're insightful. They have summer-long projects. We had them pitch big stunt sweepstakes ideas, crazy stuff mm -hmm. I hadn't even thought of. Also, how to appeal to more of the first-time homebuyers in the YouTube space and content marketing. They brought some awesome ideas. Super excited for that. I hired a bunch of them coming out of the summer. We'll have another chock full of interns, but they're here. They have fun, and 
I get just as much out of them as they they do out of me. I heard you actually give them housing potentially if they need. Well, I don't give them housing. Uh, Yeah, Mr. (laughs) Gilbert does. We're really close to Wayne State University right up the street. I don't know how many students, a fair number of mine, stay up there over the summer and, yeah, housing. They get paid pretty damn well, too. I was kidding around. I think if I I were to go overtime plus intern pay, I uh, I might uh, come out ahead. The kids do well, but we program them all summer. They do a lot of events and mixers, and they listen to thought leadership. We're a big company right 17,000 people but they hear from our chairman vice chairman ceo cfo they get one-on-one time i do an hour-long one-on-one with each of my 42 interns and just to get to know them i think that i had heard you spend four days throughout their internship with them almost exclusively and your executive spends a day with them again i get just as much out of them because it's a focus group if you will where you can start to throw out ideas guy at my age been around a long time what i think is funny or relevant may not be, particularly when it comes to music or entertainment or influencers or media programming. I don't watch and listen and consume it. I'm not necessarily the consumer. A lot of times if I something interesting comes my way versus being dismissive of it because it doesn't appeal to me, I'll grab Luke from PR and go, Luke, have you heard of this artist? I've done it so many times. Have you heard of this artist? Do you know this show? Yeah, it's we should look at it. Like, this would be a really interesting opportunity for the brand. And okay. I think I read somewhere you, as a young man, were maybe it was your neighbor at the home you grew up yeah. in was an admin, yeah. or like you yeah. you were mentored, or not, not in the traditional sense of an internship. I had a couple of internships when I was younger, and they were definitely formative for me getting into this space but it sounds like you had a, a personal family relationship really convinced you that advertising would be interesting and something what's well, funny it's really funny is i just saw him the other day he was a, f- a family friend and i played high school baseball and i was playing american legion i could have played small school but i stopped in high schools he was on a softball league an advertising softball league so he brought me on as a ringer so here i'm i'm like a 16 17 year old kid playing with a bunch of 40 year old guys and tearing it up and then going to michigan state and i'm like i don't know what i want to do and, and i'd see this guy he always had tickets to a tigers game he'd dinners and uh, i'm like what do you do mr zinchuk and he goes i'm gonna advertise i'm like hey, you know what that might not be too bad so i majored in advertising and when i graduated he helped me get my first unpaid internship graduated couldn't find a job and i got a job for free at the age just got a foot in the door and it's like anything else i'm a big believer and you never burn a bridge and i'm a big fan of helping as many people as i can try to lead them to water and after at that point man it's up to you for sure. You got to get in. I, I'm not going to put you in the water. I'm not going to help you kick or swing those arms. You've quoted many times about something that you call trust-based relationships. Can you talk a little bit more about what that means to you personally? I grew up, my father was a firefighter. Mom worked various jobs and saw how they had good, solid, trust-based relationships. And I grew up, thankfully, we didn't move. But I went to the same school, K through high school and college. I run with most of my core group of friends or the friends I grew up with from since kindergarten or high school. Here, whether it be personal or professional, I'm a big advocate of developing trust-based relationships and you know, having the ability to have courageous conversations when it might be. But in this business, I, I share this with our younger team members. Even though we live in the multi-device, multi-media, social world, nothing is more powerful than a handshake, eye contact, or just how are you doing? And so that's something I really press hard. I could tell you stories of, I come in, I ask Jimmy a question. I email Luke. Luke sits 20 feet away. What did Luke say? I don't know. I haven't heard from him. I go, come here, Jimmy. And I literally will take somebody and walk him over to Luke. That's how you get business done. 
there's another great adage that somebody shared with me here too, is people love to hide behind keyboards and they, people can get really tough behind a keyboard. So we get up and just go talk to them. Get on the phone and go talk to them. No one's been killed by an, uh, an email assassin. <laughs> That's just what it is, is. I don't care how old you are, whether you're my age or a young person coming out of college. you got to develop those interpersonal soft skills and understand that the power of interpersonal relationships and having a trust-based relationship will generally trump everything. Good night. We're talking in the hallway. We're uh, giving a lot of shout-outs to Luke today. We were talking about how these podcasts are very much easy to do on the telephone if you wanted to. But right. there's something about chemistry and sitting with someone and getting to see the white of their eyes to really have that one-to-one conversation that makes these things so much more valuable for the listener. People know when it's a phone call or whether you're sitting live with somebody. Well, I appreciate you getting on a plane and yeah, coming to see us in uh, Detroit. Tell uh, everyone what you saw. Coming down to the final stretch here, I thought it was very interesting, and you don't always see this in the C-suite that your current CEO, Jay Farner, actually sat in your chair yeah. before he was promoted to the CEO right. of, the, of the company. A lot of times you see CEOs coming out of the finance side or procurement or the legal team, not always from the marketing profession. How does that impact your job in having a CEO who sat in your chair for so many years and did the job that you had? Jay started his career here, I believe it's 24 years ago, straight out of Michigan State. I started working with Dan. So for, I'm going to call it six, 15, 16 of the years, purely a financial background. He ran banking functions, running huge teams. Dan asked him to serve as the CMO. We'll call it eight years ago now that I've been here too. And Jay would tell you like, oh, he didn't, he thought it was going to be a short-term thing. He's like, I don't really know marketing and he is a fantastic marketer. And so coming in as the CMO and now the CMO is elevated to the CEO. Listen, I can't, nothing was broken. Nothing was broken. It wasn't coming in a situation where things had to be totally changed and rehauled. I think what they brought me here for, and I know so, is a fresh set of eyes and a different approach. I'm purely a marketing guy. I'm not a finance guy. I'm not, not a CFO or I'm not a finance person. And they'll tell you I'm not a finance guy. <laughs> <laughs> but a couple of different things. One is I've got an absolutely amazing soundboard of somebody that's helped build the brand. He built the brand for over six, eight years. He launched Rocket Mortgage 2016, a very successful Super Bowl campaign. Rocket Mortgage was under his helm. They did some really solid work back then. So that helps in which I've got history and perspective. And obviously when you get into the, in our world, there's always skeletons everywhere. And so now I don't have to guess where the skeletons are or understand why the skeletons are there. I've got somebody that lived it and give great solid advice. When I talked about empowerment earlier is one of the great things is Jay is our CEO is doing a lot of big things here. We just celebrated our best quarter ever after 34 years. That's quite an accomplishment, hiring 1,300 people. He's got a lot going on, but what's fun is he loves marketing. He'll jump in with us, and he'll look at rough cuts, and we pitch him concepts, and he loves it. And our chairman, Dan Gilbert, he is not only a fontologist, a P-H-O-N-T-ologist, he is a marketing guru as well, which is fun. (laughs) For the Super Bowl a couple years ago, literally rough cut stage, I'm in the room with him, and we're going frame by frame. And literally, here I am, a chairman, owns the Cavs. He's got a lot going on in his life. And he's sitting there with us going frame by frame. But just because he cares and it's a pleasure to lead this marketing team. But no, I've got a CEO and a chairman that love marketing and are all along for the ride. Last question. What has you most excited about the future here at Quick and Learn? In many ways, it feels like we're just beginning. Even though we got named America's largest lender in January of 
2018. We just had our merit best quarter ever. The amount of growth that's happening here, it's intoxicating. I feel like a 25-year-old kid coming to downtown Detroit every day and walking outside. It brings me a lot of joy is seeing the work that I do and we do is making a difference, not only for our clients' lives, but also for what's happening in our city and the kids and the schools and everything else. That's uh, it's very enriching. I love it. Well, I'm excited to see what yeah. you guys do next. Thanks so much for coming on the showcase. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Ad Podcast with your host, Dylan Conroy. We would appreciate it, of course, if you subscribed or followed us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you think this episode would be interesting to share with a colleague, uh, please go ahead and share it with them. So thanks again. We'll see you next time.